0: I'm so excited for today's episode because our guest is literally one of my favorite people in the entire world. Ricky Spice is currently the partner marketing manager at Terminus, and I had the great pleasure to work with him closely on partner marketing programs in his previous position at Sage Intact. So today's episode is also going to lend itself to a channel perspective, which is also near and dear to my heart. It's also super interesting because Ricky actually started in a sales role before he transitioned into demand gen and eventually partner marketing, where he has helped build numerous partner marketing programs that are still in play today. He recently landed at Terminus in a partner marketing role where he's focused on building out a world-class partner marketing program in the ABM space. Let's take a listen to Ricky's journey and maybe there'll be a few laughs mixed in along the way.
1: All right, so here we are, Ricky. We're so excited to have you joining us today. Dana and I were really looking forward to this conversation for for all the reasons because you're funnier than shit, and we love you. So it's going to be great. Let, let's jump in. Tell us, you know, why are you here? Where do you come from? Where are you now? I love your shirt. Tell us a little bit about that, and uh, let's kind of set the table here.
2: Oh wow, how much time do you have now? <laughs> <laughs>
1: For you, as long as we want to go, Ricky. we call it a therapy session if you want to call it that. That's cool. We can do (laughs) that.
2: (laughs) Well, I have to preface this saying that you two are both some of my favorite people on the earth. So I'm honored to be here talking a little bit about someone else I'm favorable of myself. Just kidding. (laughs)
1: You're not. (laughs) Yeah, right? Not at all. I actually got
2: my master's in business administration. I did my undergrad in English. I love to tell stories. And my goal after grad school was I'm going to work as a marketer and little did i know being fresh out of grad school my mba program was that you know you need 5 years of experience a gold medal in the olympics and donate one of your organs to get an entry level position in marketing so i moved up to the bay area in silicon valley and sure enough my uncle who worked for cisco at the time said start in sales and i said well i don't want to work in sales i want to be a marketer and there was this great company called Intact at the time, and they were hiring sales development representatives. And I said, okay, fine, let's dip my toe on this bucket, see how I do. And sure enough, I got hired. And I found out I was a little bit better at sales than I thought I was. So I started hitting my quota, started meeting everyone. And a couple years after kind of getting my feet wet with sales and knocking it out of the park, I got tapped on the shoulder by the demand gen vice president. And he said, you have your master's in marketing. We could use you. Come on over here. So... That was kind of my in with marketing in the software world. So I was marketing towards controllers, CFOs, people in fintech, Yeah, you know, pretty much. I was in fintech, uh, to say the least, and eventually got moved over to the world of channel marketing and partner marketing. So that was not something I ever thought I would end up in, but it turns out that it's something I'm really passionate about. And after doing that for a couple years at Sage Intact, we were acquired just shortly after I started with the company. I was introduced to a great company called Terminus, and I have been there. I think I just I'm just wrapping up my fifth week there right now. So still fresh, but it's been such a great experience. And as a marketer, marketing to other marketers, it's definitely been something new. I'm no longer marketing towards people in finance, which people in finance are fun, but I think marketers are way more fun than they
0: are. (laughs) We are much more fun. Yeah, Yeah, we love that. Ricky, I think it was interesting that you said you never knew you were going to end up in partner marketing, but became passionate about it. It's funny because I'm similar, right? I ended up with a stint in partner marketing longer than I thought. And it's like this whole world that you didn't know existed when you get in there. So could you tell us just a little bit about what you think the difference is between partner channel marketing and maybe what, you know, our it's our direct marketing is, you know, how, how it differs, I guess, from there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think the best advice I was ever given is, you know, when you're marketing direct as demand gen professional or someone in digital marketing or anyone in marketing, anything you do in terms of marketing to your direct audience, you should also make sure that the channel can leverage as well. So pretty much that's become my mindset. Is anything available in terms of direct marketing needs to be leveraged for the channel team? And in many ways, it's kind of let me put on like my consultant hat to where I am almost there as a marketing consultant because we work with partners that are super sophisticated. Uh, We work with partners that are just starting out. You really aren't quite sure who you're going to be speaking with when you first meet that person. This partner could have maybe one or two people dedicated to marketing. They could have a part-time person. They could have a whole marketing engine. It really just depends. And I think that's something that I kind of grew to love is, you know, I could, I did kind of have a slight background in teaching. I was a substitute teacher. I forgot to throw that in my background. So, and I actually learn more from teaching people and sure enough, I love helping people. I love teaching people and I love teaching people marketing too, because marketing is super cool. And especially what I'm doing now at Terminus, it's really cool just the world of ABM is incredible and seeing just how marketing has evolved even within just the past few years it's just it's it's so eye-opening to me so that's something I really like about partner marketing and now with terminus working with agencies and uh, different types of partners all over the world it really is kind of taking you know here's how we do marketing at terminus and that's something we like to kind of boast is we we drink our own champagne. And I think the term is, you know, we eat our own dog food, which I had never heard that before. I had to Google that, and I guess I'm showing, you know, my – you My never position, heard I, that one? I mean, I was born in the 80s, you know. I, I like to think, you know, that I'm like a little bit more sophisticated than those born in the 90s or 2000s. But I was like, what? So when they said, we drink our own champagne, I'm just like, that's awesome, you know. Like, what kind of champagne?
0: Um, <laughs> the good shit. I think it's interesting on partner marketing because I agree. I think you are. You're a consultant teaching it. And so I think that's great. What do you think is the most challenging part of it?
2: Yeah, well – In many ways, since you are working with many different types of partners, they have a lot of different types of styles. And it's not a one-size-fit-all approach, even though I wish it was sometimes – I've got partners, you know, that I like to say go rogue. Sometimes it's the rogue partner that's like, we are doing this and this and this. and am just like, awesome. Let's look at your marketing plan. Well, what's that? And I'm like, oh, uh, uh. <laughs> and you know, it, it's kind of where you have to be as respectful as possible because a lot of times people just don't know, you know, that you should start with a marketing plan. One of my old bosses, she always says, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And I think that's just kind of become my mantra when it, it comes to asking, you know, let's take a look at your marketing plan, you know, and sometimes people are just, they'll throw ad hoc things in there, but that's okay. But, you know, you have to be able to speak to it and say, this is where it kind of fits in and aligns with this campaign that we're running or this program that we're running. So it's difficult to say the least when you get people that are extremely sophisticated in their marketing versus people that they think marketing is like, oh, I did marketing, you know, I'm done. And it's like, okay, cool. What does the follow-up look like? And it's like, that's something else, you know, that's another piece to it. And in many ways, people think marketers are like arts and crafts and like, oh, yeah, look at this. Can you create this? Are you a graphic designer as a marketer? And I'm just like, I. Honestly, like, you know, the, the old paint tool and on the PC, the desktop, and, you know, my living room as a kid, that was the extent of, you know, my graphic design skills. So I think that's sort of the biggest challenge is, you know, people have a lot of expectations. I have a lot of expectations, but, you know, in my world, I set them and hopefully, you know, we can follow them and, you know, use them as a key to be successful.
1: I love that. I love that. I remember when you made that transition from sales to marketing, and I know everyone was really excited about having you kind of join the marketing team because you were bringing a very unique perspective, you know, from the sales side. And so I know there were challenges that you, you had faced and also opportunities that you conquered. So if you don't mind drilling into that a little bit more, I think there's some interesting nuggets there.
2: Yeah. And I think hundred percent right. And I remember being completely elated and thinking I'm going to the marketing team. Like these people are the cool kids, you know, I'm just, you know, it's funny, you know, how in many ways SDRs are perceived as like the entry-level, you know, children. And in a lot of ways, they, they're treated that way. And um, I've got to tell you something, I'm married to someone who's in sales, you know, so I've heard it on his end as well too. And he's managed salespeople and, you know, he's been at different companies and it just kind of seems like, it's not purposefully done, and I don't think it's malicious. But you know, the salespeople are kind of like, "Oh, you know, like give them pizza." You know, they'll hit their number, and it's like, no, like that's not what you want to think. So, in many ways, my biggest challenge was kind of like, I need to prove to everyone that you know I do have the chops to do marketing. You know, I don't just have a piece of paper that says that I I can do this. And so that's why I had to hustle. I was like, you know, we I need to punch it and I need to get some quick wins really quickly. So that was, I think, the biggest struggle is kind of overcoming those predispositions people had about sales folks, but also just, it's it's a complex product. Software's hard. It's constantly changing. And it's one thing to get on the phone and, you know, have a talk track, but it's another to write and then utilize that writing for a bunch of other people that you're going to be having use your programs or campaigns. So it was a huge struggle, but like I said, you know, don't ever be afraid to ask for help because people are there to help. And that was something I always said. I always raised my hand saying, what do you think about this? And I think that was kind of the way I was successful is kind of utilizing the team and making sure that they had my back, which they always did.
1: I think you brought a different perspective to the table oftentimes and I and I remember people looking to you and saying, what do you think right? Because I think as marketers, we have to remember that the sales folks are actually in the front lines, right and they're talking to the buyers and they're getting that kind of feedback whether it's positive or negative and um, that's super super
2: valuable yeah. And yesterday's SDR could be today's marketing person, could be tomorrow's CMO. So that's why I would always tell people, like, don't underestimate your SDRs because, yeah, they're over there, you know, with a Nerf gun running around. But they're also the ones. (laughs) We got rid of the Nerf guns when, when, you know, we became a bigger (laughs) company. But I can remember getting hit in the face with a dart after getting LASIK. And I was just like (laughs) – I was was the old man on the team that – (laughs) 28 years old, if you can believe it. And there I was, you know, trying to like make phone calls and it was just boom, dart hits your face. So I think, yeah, like coming over to marketing, one of the best pieces of advice I was also given was as a marketer, go sit with the sales team, go sit amongst the SDRs, listen to their phone conversations, because you're going to hear stuff you've never heard before. maybe you've heard it all, you know, and you've got the t-shirt, but there's going to be some shit you've never heard of before. And you can use that to your advantage. So
0: I think it's so true. And I think it's overlooked. I mean, Carrie and I, when we start an engagement here at the agency, often if there's strategy and stuff involved working on something right now, the first thing I said is I need a couple of salespeople to give me the sales pitch. I got to hear how you guys are selling, how they're talking about it, what they, how they're delivering the message. Cause nine out of 10 times, they're doing it a hundred times better than how marketing is interpreting and coming out. And so it's just, I think it's overlooked and we tend to stay in these silos and we all know it doesn't work very well when sales and marketing are in their silos. So
2: alignment, I was actually just talking with a partner today about you know just tight sales alignment. and We drink our own champagnes. Terminus does <laughs> sales and line and sales and marketing are aligned extremely well. So.
0: I think we should have had champagne if we were going to talk so much oh, about it. Yeah. So, yeah. The <laughs> next time. <we're> gonna... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not dog food for sure. No, we'll we'll skip that.
2: No, it's what was that in. One of my favorite movies is Showgirls. And, you know, she talks about eating Doggy Chow. And I think she's talking about it while drinking a bottle of Cristal Champagne. And it's holy water. I don't know. That's, like, that movie is garbage. But it is so good. Like, I, I, every time I go to Vegas, I'm just, like, you know, like, doing the Nomi Malone. Um, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get kicked off this podcast real soon. So. <laughs>
0: Carrie, you'll have to take Ricky to a show next Sunday. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Let's do it. Let's do it. (laughs) Okay, well, let's get into the fun stuff here. So we've all seen some crazy shit in our careers. I think you probably a little less than Carrie and I have, but we still know that you've seen some stuff. And so I think when we chatted earlier, one of the things that stuck with us is you mentioned expectation setting. And so as much as I'm sure there's, I want to hear the stories around this, but I also think what's so important about this is, especially young in our careers, like this is that skill set I think we all miss on several times and fail on before we get it right because it's everybody's scared to push back right it's it's scary to say no to somebody it's scary to or we just want to show up and look so good in front of everybody and so let's start there because i i think this is relevant to all of us no matter where we're at
2: yeah absolutely i think setting expectations with partners is so crucial because like i said it's it's not a one size fit all approach number 1 and number 2 you're working with partners that are sophisticated that have been doing this for years that, oh, I sold this financial system back in 1980, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that was around back then? Like they had numbers back then? I mean, it's – and these people, like I said, they have big egos. And a lot of times having to work with some of these folks with big egos, they look at me like, who are you? Like what are you talking about? And I'm over here just kind of like, well – I'm the one who's going to make you successful and help you hit your number. So let's talk through it. And you know, it's, I actually had a conversation once with a partner and very nice. And like I said, big egos, they happen. Unfortunately, this person's ego was so big, didn't go on mute and was talking smack just full on when I was like, okay, let's walk through your marketing plan. And it was just kind of like, Uh, this kid. uh, And I was just sitting there like,
1: (laughs) I can hear you. (laughs) Yeah. And
2: it's it's one of my, uh, I'm always on mute for that reason, because I got a good heart, but this mouth, I mean, it's gotten me into trouble, but this partner wasn't on mute. And I was trying to say like, look, like this is what you need to do to be successful. And it was like, you know, just kind of like, scoff here, scoff there. And I'm like, well, maybe he didn't mean to, or maybe he wants me to hear this, you know? And it became very apparent that he didn't realize he was on mute. And finally, I'm just like, I can hear you in the background. So it sounds like you don't agree with me on that. So why don't you tell me what you're thinking? And it was just kind of crickets, clicking, went on mute, and then went off mute. And then, oh, well, yeah, you know? So I think what I learned after that was just for setting expectations, you know, make sure you have buy-in and support from, you know, the executives and the people above you, because those are the folks that they will listen to. And, you know, I've had to do this my entire life. People don't take you seriously, but sometimes I don't even take myself seriously. But I had to ensure that I was setting this partner for success. And I believe that every single tool that I had laid out and this entire plan to say like, hey, this is how we're going to get you to hit this many opportunities by the end of Q3, perfect. And eventually I did have to get buy-in from the execs above me and say, hey, why don't you jump on this call with me? So that way I have you to just back me up a little bit on it. So that was me learning a lesson about setting expectations. A lot of times the expectations are, you are going to be doing this because so-and-so is on this call and they're going to say so. So hopefully that makes sense. But
0: Yeah, for sure. I think it's, well, outside of expectation setting, I think, you know, a theme you've mentioned a couple of times that I think is interesting is age and people not taking us seriously. The experience as marketers coming up, I think, Ricky, you're younger in your career, but obviously you've got the experience. And so I think it's interesting that, I mean, I'm sure that in other industries, people go up against it too. But I guess where I'm going with it is how do you think we, I don't know, how do you think as marketers and as young professionals, we can kind of prove ourselves or not prove ourselves because we've already have, but how do we how do we assert ourselves in a way that we can get that trust or that, I guess, respect? Is that the words? I feel like we have to sing R-E-S-P-E-C-T, but I don't know. I feel like it's challenging, right? It's um it's a shame because you did the work. You know what you're doing. And so what makes people think it's okay to think that, you know, it's like, I earned my spot here. and my right to be here. So why is it okay to think that, you know, more than me when I've got this role? I don't know.
2: Yeah, that's actually a good question. And a tactic I've used, especially with partners, is the bandwagon approach. And, you know, I could tell people, you know, I, I won the Nobel Prize in marketing and, you know, here we are. And they're just kind of like rolling their eyes and scoffing. But... If they don't believe that this is going to be successful for them, then they're not going to do it. So in many ways, I'm just like, oh, I actually spoke to – I'm talking to partner A, for instance. I spoke to partner B, and they did this, and they got this and this. Well, who would you talk to? Wait, what did they – and the next thing you know, they're like, well, wait, they did it? Like, what do you mean? Like, what, what do they have? And I'm just like, well, they are being given every single opportunity that you're being given in terms of, you know, all these marketing assets that we've packaged up for you on a silver platter. And I – I know, you know, in the past, I've actually given partners a lot of marketing content to work with, a lot. And I've heard from some people that not everyone does that for their partners. So, and it's, it got to the point, you know, where I'm just like, how are we really going to get them to listen and adopt this? And I, I use the bandwagon approach 100%. And I feel like the bandwagon approach is good with partner marketing. It's good with customer marketing too. If you're talking to a customer, you can say like, oh, another customer similar to yours, Uh, or similar to you, did something just like this. They've seen, you know, a lot of success this way. And it's like, oh, really? They adopted this new module? And it's like, yeah, and they're being really successful with it. So I think that's kind of like my little reverse psychology tactic to get them to listen to me. Because I wasn't there in the 80s when they were selling that old dinosaur system. You know, I'm just like... What am I going to do? So, and a lot of times it's hard, especially when we're virtual to get people to really understand you. They see a face, they see some goofball on the other end because I'm, I'm pretty goofy. I like to really kind of break that down quickly. Like I'm good at what I do, but I like to have fun as well. You so, are fun.
1: You are thank fun. You. Thank and, you. And it sounds like some of your sales background comes into play daily, right? I mean, what you just described in, in trying to get people to understand and move in the direction that you want them to head into.
2: Yep. And a lot of times the people doing the marketing at these smaller partners, they are salespeople too. They're salespeople and marketing people. So I will take off my marketing hat, put my sales hat on and be like, let's talk about this, you know? And a lot of times, you know, once we get their buy-in, it's fine. It's not an issue. It's really that kind of initial time, just really trying to get the buy-in from them to start using the programs, so.
0: Okay, so one of the other mishaps we talked about Okay. So I love MDF, right? MDF funds. I know in your previous role, there were other terms for a co-op dollar. So many, so many terminology, uh, different terminologies for this. But I think it's interesting because this is when you're in channel marketing, right? This is what everybody's looking for. So we all want want leads, right? They all want leads. How do I get leads? And how are you going to help me pay for it? So talk to us a little bit about your MDF mishap.
2: Yeah. And I love to spend money and um, that's one of my favorite things to do. And when I'm just like, ooh, I've got budget and we can spend it, our partners can spend it, great. The thing is, it's not a free-for-all and a lot of times partners say, oh, perfect, let's do a direct mail send and I'm just like, okay, great. You know, I'm just like, pitch it to me. Let's talk about some direct mail stuff you can do or some paid social or something, you know, and they will spin this up. And I'm like, this, this, and I'm like, that's beautiful. How much does it cost? And they're like, oh, well, for the first quarter, it's 30,000. And the second quarter, and I'm like, whoa, like, holy cow. So marketing's I think
0: expensive, of- Ricky. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So is my time, you know, and I was just like, (laughs) my gosh. And I think that's kind of where setting expectations comes in again. It's like, look, like we we need to have a plan, not just for your entire year, but like this MDF request that you're putting in. How many leads are you going to get from it? Like, what does the follow-up look like? You can send as many pieces of direct mail, you know, until the cows come home, but what does the follow-up piece look like? What's next? You know, how are you really going to close the loop with that initial send? I love to incorporate swag, stuff we all get it's a real term. People who aren't in marketing are just like, oh, I thought that was from the office. I've had two people say that to me within the past month, but swag works. And I think people are 10 times more likely to respond to you. And I'm like, great, you know, but there has to be some type of follow-up with it. So with MDF, it's like people have so many ideas and they're like, here we go, here we go, here we go. And it's like, boom, it's next thing you know, you've got a $60,000 program on paper. And I'm like, okay, we got to, we got to trim this down just a little bit because It's fun to plan these things out, you know, but we got to have a plan. So setting the expectations early with MDF, even with the internal team, I'm going to push it a little bit here by saying our internal team used to communicate and say like, we have money for you. Like put your requests in now. And the next, you know, I'd get like 10 requests and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, woo. And sure enough, I was the one filtering the requests and looking at all of them and saying, denied, denied, denied. But why, you know, it's like I said, there has to be some sort of, you know, process with it and like some sort of plan moving forward with MDF. So
1: did you ever feel like you approved something or that you were talked into something maybe that you shouldn't have or. you you held, held fast. (laughs) Uh,
2: How much can I say? You know? No, I mean, I think I was pretty consistent and I think I don't like telling people no, but I think with MDF funds, I had to look at it that, you know, this is the money of the company I work for. I looked at it as my money and I really had to take it that way because it's, you can't just spend money just for the sake of spending it, you know, like you're going to have to see results from it. And in many ways I would approve something For one partner and thinking in my mind, I would get another request from a different partner and it just, uh, I'm like, I have to approve this too, because I approved it for this partner. And then I would have to have a conversation with the internal team saying, Hey, we're approving a lot of this, this and this lately. Are we seeing a big return on this? And if the answer was no, it's like, great. Moving forward, not going to be approving MDF requests like this. And granted, I wasn't even the one really approving them. I was sending them off for approval, but I'm not going to send some off because then the higher-ups are going to be like, what is Ricky smoking? Like, it's it's not April, it's Christmas, you know? It's like, what are you doing? So I, I had to make myself, I had a reputation too. So if I'm going to send all these mediocre requests in, you know, they're going to look at me and be like, Ricky, what are you doing?
1: And did you find that the partners would talk amongst themselves like, well, Ricky did this and Ricky did that and... <laughs>
2: And it's funny, everyone knows everyone, um, especially in, you know, a certain industries. So I think one of the last events I was at in person was our partner summit in Orlando. And Carrie, Dana, you were both there. We were with and, you. We oh, It was
1: so fun. All of our last, last work event. event. I know, still, that's even more yeah. March, depressing. March 2020 oh was when
2: gosh. that was. How sad was, oh my gosh. I mean, we had the best time though. I mean, that's super scary though. And- I just remember being in Orlando and Carrie being like, Ricky, come get a hurricane with me. like, get a drink. And I'm just like, no, like I'm tired. And then I got in there and the bartender made one. And I was like, give me one too. I'm just like, geez, I'm so easy. I was like, geez, I'm such a pusher. But like I said, I don't like to say no. But yes, to your question, partners talk all the time. And it's funny, you know, sometimes I would test it out. This is kind of not the best way to do things. I would drop little stories or hints to one. And sure enough, a week later, another partner would be like, oh, so I heard. And I was like, aha, you know, like you do talk.
0: I heard Ricky's approving all marketing (laughs) funds this quarter.
2: I heard Ricky's a cheap date in Orlando. (laughs) Um, It's, which is true. But I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, yes, people do talk. But I also could use that to my advantage because I would be like, well, I'm going to make them compete against one another too. You know, let's try and incentivize the partners by whoever can get the most – I don't know. I think we put like the most, you know, conversions on this program or whichever partner can post the best blog on this topic. Like we will give you a certain amount of MDF funds. And I would sometimes be like, we've already received two. And people would be like, you received two from who? You know, and it was, it was kind of like that playful banter. Not playful. It was actually really strategic. But partners really, they thrived on that. You know, they're very competitive because they're running a business and they want to be the ones on the leaderboard at the end of the month, at the end of the quarter. And I would do that all the time. I would put the partner leaderboard, here are the top partners. And like I said, bandwagon approach, you know, they all want to be on that winning bandwagon. And if they weren't, I bet you that they were just like you know, ripping their hair out on the other end. Like, how do I, you know, get to the top three spot? And I, I think that was really kind of a, a cool tactic that I used to get people and Partners, especially that be. I love that deer.
1: mental note, Dana. If we ever yeah. get to do a partnership with Terminus,
2: <laughs> you're <No>. you're <laughs> spilling
1: the tea on all your uh, your strategies. We're
0: on. We'll be on now. the other side again. <laughs> See, my partner channel experience, I was always on the other side, Ricky. Right? I was like, I was playing the, I was the MDF queen. I was getting it from all of our partners. To I ran my whole conference on the funds. I was like, this is great. There goes save all that budget. So Ricky's gonna he's gonna try and make us compete. With all the other agents. That's what it sounds like. All right. We like a good, we like a good competition, don't we? Yeah. Dana? Yes.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, if I was, yeah, please. I mean, uh, you you call me and I'm ready to have that conversation with you. I would love to. We'll be the biggest pain
0: in your ass, Ricky. I'll be like, Ricky, I need a new piece of content to um, send out. <laughs> and I just don't want to co-brand it. I, I want to be able to tell my story in it. So <laughs>
2: That's another thing. Everyone wants to co-brand everything. Like, we want to co-brand this. And it's it's funny. One thing that you do for a partner, if you do it for one partner, you know, then the other ones find out and you have to do it for all of them. So that's not just true with your resellers. It's true with your ISV partners and your marketplace partners as well, too. So
1: And your children. It's true for your children, too. <laughs> and, so. your yeah. <laughs> and your dogs.
2: And your dogs. It's no, it's, and hey, I'm out of my dad's kids. I'm the youngest of five. And so I know what it's like to kind of, and people are like, oh, the the youngest is the golden child. Well, not in my freaking family. I was like given the scraps. You know, there I am shivering in the corner while everyone else has like mink coats on. And I'm just like, great. <laughs> so I know how that goes. So you're right, Carrie, with children too. <laughs> I love so.
1: it. I love it. So let's transition the conversation to webinars because I think that- You probably hold the world's record of webinars done in a single week, like 1,543 or something like that. I know it was constantly, you know, when I wanted to chat with, with Ricky, he was producing a webinar. So... (laughs) I mean, when you do that many webinars, that many pieces involved, I'm sure that there were shit hitting the fan moments. And are there any that you can share with us, you know, both from uh, mistakes that were made and things that happened? And then also, how did you kind of come out of that?
2: Yeah, I think I am a huge, huge supporter of pre-recording webinars. And I always have been because you ever see the movie Tootsie? With Dustin Hoffman and Dustin Hoffman at the end. And spoiler alert, let's just say Dustin Hoffman kind of spills the beans on a live taping of the soap opera. That's how I feel like I'm gonna go off on one of these webinars one of these days. So, or a partner or someone is gonna like say something and I'm just like, we are gonna pre record this and we're gonna make sure that everything's fine. But we used to use pre recorded content and then we would try and fix it and stitch it together to make it appear new. And I can remember our partners were trying to get them to promote these webinars. Like, are they live? And it's like, yes, these are live. And they weren't, they were semi-live, but we actually did roll to live Q and a in many of them. But if you're not careful and you're putting content together and you know, it's, I do the intro, there's a demo and the date in the corner says six months ago. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) and sure enough, my phone just, Boop, and I'm like, oh, I don't even have to check my text messages. I already know who this is, and I have to go to live Q and A. Those are the types of things where it's like the the, the Simulive will come back to get you, and it's it's a blessing and a curse. But if you do it right, if you check all of your boxes, you don't have to worry about that. But also, I think it's funny when going back to setting expectations. You know, we want to have this partner speak on a webinar, and sure enough, they jump on the the bridge, and I'm like, hey, like you know, you're five minutes late, but that's cool. Like, you ready to go? And you know. You hear, you know, shuffling and it's like, is everything okay? Oh, I'm running through the airport right now. I have to catch a flight and this and that. Can, How long is this going to take? And I'm just like, catch a flight to where? And it's like, oh, well, my son's graduating from, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, you knew about this and you're going to try and play me. And it's like, I turn really quickly. Like, it's like a switch just flicks. And I'm just like, nope, we're not doing that. You know, we have to reschedule this. And, you know, it's. It's rough because trying to scramble, setting those expectations, you know, you got to make sure like be in a quiet area, make sure that everything's good, you know, and that's not the first time that's happened to me. We were switching to live Q&A and one of my thought leaders, they completely forgot and they weren't there. And, you know, at the end, it was like, we're going live and, you know, like five minutes, you know, like, what are we going to do? And I actually had to step in and speak and be them And I just remember being like, I hope there are no questions that come through that are, like, really specific (laughs) to financial software because I can fake it, but this is getting recorded and replayed, so I might be looking for a new job (laughs) if I say the wrong thing. So that's always fun. But, yeah. So – Gosh, I could talk for a long time. I, You know, when I worked in a restaurant, I used to have survey nightmares as a server. I have webinar nightmares now. So I'll be laying there in the middle of the night and it's just like next thing you know, it's like you're speaking and then like I can't talk and I'm just like, uh, you know, and it's, it's so webinars, love them or hate them. They are useful, but damn, they are freaking tricky. So
1: I love it. I love it. And your favorite place to record a webinar when you're doing a recorded webinar?
2: Yeah, I like to record them in the closet. I will go back in the closet occasionally to record these webinars. It just sounds better because when I was living in San Jose, just outside of Japantown, it was like oh my gosh, it was so noisy outside. And I'm like there's no way I can record a webinar with, you know, like this person rolling a shopping cart down the street, screaming, you know, and I don't know. It's I would just kind of go into the closet and I just felt it It sounded better that way.
1: And Effie uh, letting you know she was happy that you were there with her?
2: Oh, yeah. And I have to give a disclaimer on all of my calls. Like, that snoring in the background is my she daughter. She snores my, so loud! My, my <laughs> nine-year-old French bulldog. I think my husband and I are going to be deaf um, <laughs> because she just snores all night. And it's like, if she's not snoring, I'm like... I'm over her. I'm just like, it's crib death. Like, what's wrong? I'm like shaking her. And she's like looking at me. And I'm just like, oh, geez, my dog. But yeah, so recording webinars in the closet with my dog just breathing under the door. And I'm, she's actually locked in the other room right now. And I'm sure she's like going to give oh, me you eyeballs later. you could have brought later. her. We
1: would we would love to hear Effie snoring again. That would be a great... Uh...
0: <laughs> She'd be in the back. Ricky and I would be on calls. Like the first few times, I'm like, what, what is that sound? And he's like, oh, it's the dog. I was like, Oh. I'm like, she's loud. I (laughs) set
2: expectations. If you hear snoring in the background, it's my dog. (laughs) Yeah. And people are like, oh, okay, got it. Thank you. You know, and it's so normal now, but yeah, she's a babe. I, you got to love the dogs and especially the Frenchies. So,
0: well, and with our new realities of being at home, we're all used to it, right? I mean, you never know what's going to happen between dogs, kids, spouses. And, well, and when at you're talking something. to multiple
2: partners a day, too, you get to see multiple homes and backgrounds. Oh, and yeah. I'm just like, oh, hey, you know, like, did you meant to have your background or mean to have your background turned off? Like, that's a pretty nice house like what do you do you know i mean it's i don't know
0: <laughs> i've seen more know. bedrooms and, and since COVID started, people in their which I get because I was in the bedroom for a while like that. But it is kind of weird to be looking at people's beds, right? When you're sitting there and you're like, I get it. You have nowhere else to go. But it's hilarious. Like, wow, this is I've known a lot about people I'm talking to these days. <laughs> it's so. a great way
2: to get to know your partners. You know, like behind me, you know, I've got like my little dinosaurs. Like, rawr. like this, this is me when partners don't don't put their marketing plan together. Saurus Rex comes and Rex. yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am an adult, uh, but. <laughs> I love, <it>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> love that, I love that. Oh, so, all right. So Ricky, what are you working on right now? Anything fun? You said you're five weeks into your new job. What you got going?
2: There's a lot happening actually, just besides being introduced to everyone under the sun, which, like I said, you know, this company is terminus has been wonderful in terms of just their onboarding i was just blown away so they've done everything they could to make me feel welcome which is great i stepping outside your comfort zone is hard and meeting a whole new slew of partners is not easy but we've got a lot of fun stuff going our uh, chief evangelist actually sangram he is launching a new book soon and carrie i believe you know sangram right
1: love sangram yeah Everybody knows Sangram. He's an amazing human being for sure. He's
2: wonderful. And like when I listen to him speak, I'm just, I listen, you know, like I'm tuned in 100%. So Sangram is actually going to be releasing a book. I know we've got a couple events coming up with our CEO, Tim Kopp uh, of Terminus. I think it's September 20th is when it's happening. It's kind of an interview just about the future of go-to-market. So I would What's definitely- What's the name of the book? It's called Move. Yeah, the four question go to market framework. So I believe it's available for pre order on Amazon, but I'm happy to drop some links or hints on if you want to get your hands on a a copy at some point. Um, Sangram is just so smart. Sangram used to be CMO of Terminus. Actually, we have Daniel and Candela now. Who, if you've ever had a had a chance to read a little bit about him, too, Daniel does a great blog, and he's actually one of the main reasons I made the jump to Terminus. I had a conversation with him and thought. These people know their shit, and he was just a nice guy too. So I was like, I'm gonna go ahead and sign with this company. They're wonderful, and they drink their own champagne. So awesome!
1: <laughs> there was a champagne that again. A good theme. Good theme. I good can't theme. help it,
2: you know. I know who I'm with, and what is it? It's it's not champagne. It's sparkling wine. It's it's only champagne if it comes from the Champagne region of France. So we got to come up with like a good marketing gig on that. It's it's only partner marketing. And if it comes from this part, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> we'll come up with something. Stay oh, tuned. God. I'm working on that one. But
0: Carry it. Carry it. I will do that. It's only, yeah, it's only good you. content if it comes from Unreal Digital. <laughs> there you go. There UDG. You
2: go. I mean, I actually, it was funny. I, I can't remember. I was talking to someone and I was like, oh yeah, well, you know, UDG is doing this and this. And then I said, well, and then Unreal Digital Group, they're like, what's Unreal Digital Group? I'm just like, UDG. They're like, please say UDG. And I'm just like, I will. (laughs) Like we don't have enough effing acronyms, you know, and in a lot of ways, you know, sometimes I'll like make them up and people just be like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just just kidding. That doesn't exist. You (laughs) You
0: can do it, right? It would be like, no, but everyone would just nod and go, yeah.
2: Oh, and, and what's funny is I can't remember someone was making a joke and, you know, I wasn't paying attention. I was on a call and I was just like, and they're like, Ricky, you know what that is? I'm just like, yeah. And he's like, it doesn't exist. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like <laughs> Busted! <laughs> I just became one of those people that was checking the weather report because I'm going to the beach. But oops. I love it. It's all good stuff.
1: So I know we're getting close to our time here. You know, we got one last question for you. And, and Dana and I love this question because we think it's telling. And I know you're a kid at heart. But if you were to... That day when maybe you graduated, your undergraduate, or maybe when you were your first day in college. Flashback to that. What advice would you give to yourself then, knowing what you know now?
2: Moisturize your face. i um, <laughs> kidding.
0: That's <laughs> I'm not the seeing... first time we've heard that one. That <laughs> no. is a
1: popular one, I will tell you. No. And it's... It, car- carbs don't lie. That was the uh, That was the, the other, other one. That's it. <laughs>
2: Oh, my God. Embrace your 30-inch waist while you have it. Um, Just got to say, it's way easier to lose weight as an 18, 19-year-old. You know, I'm 34. I know I'm young, but holy shit. Like, I got to tell you, I will bust my ass on that treadmill sometimes. And then at the end of the day, I will step on the scale, and I'm like, it is going in the wrong freaking direction, man. Like...
0: It's all the champagne, Ricky. That's
2: it's all the freaking complimentary champagne. Champagnes. <laughs> and, you know, my mom will never let me live it down. She's just like, oh, hey. I see her looking me up and down. I'm just like, mom, I know you love me, but geez. Um, these are your genes. Advice I would give to my 20-year-old self, real talk. Kind of just have confidence and be you. And the reason I say that is something I always used to do is when I would meet, meet people – I would act the way I thought they wanted me to act. So for instance, I work with all types of partners, but in the past I've, you know, worked with partners, like I said, that have been in the game for 30 years and it was me trying to be super professional and buttoned up and, you know, that's fine, but I never let my guard down. And I think it's important to be true to yourself and to have fun because marketing is fun. And, And even marketing aside, you know, I mean, it's, I got to tell you, I mean, I've acted in many ways that I think, you know, people want me to act. And it's like, at the end of the day, I'm not proud of that, you know, like have confidence in that people are going to like you for being you. And if I had a dollar for every time people said, when I first met you, I wasn't sure. And, you know, I'm just like, well, newsflash, when you first met me, I wasn't myself. I was, I had on the professional hat, you know, and it's like, take that damn hat off. And, you know, Tease your wig and, you know, have fun. I think that's probably the best advice I could give is, you know, just be you. That's who people are really gonna, you know, thrive or kind of be driven to. And you're really gonna thrive just by being yourself. So I don't know if any of you have experienced that as well in your lives, but I mean it's And it's, I think all, it's all about so being
1: authentic, right? And true to yourself. So I love that. I love that.
2: That's what I love about you guys and i've always been able to be myself around you and i don't think you realize how much i appreciate that and just your entire team i've met people from Memorial digital group that they're all awesome and they all let me be me i can't get away with a lot though because you know you guys are pretty on top of it you know so all of my tricks you know of certain little things i do you guys are on to me but yeah oh, you're uh,
0: yeah. doing that bandwagon thing again yeah no we're good we don't need to jump on it we're fine
2: yeah <laughs> The bandwagon approach.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're on to you.
2: Yeah, as I sip my champagne over here.
0: Uh, (laughs) I love it. Sparkling sparkling, not sparkling wine, champagne.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, (laughs) yeah, even though prosecco has less sulfites and you will get less of a hangover that next morning. So, if I used to kind of sell wine back in the day, prosecco does have sulfites, but they have less sulfites than champagnes. If you ever want to do a mimosa in the morning, but you're worried about the champagne headache. Swish Prosecco.
1: Pro tip. Ricky's I like pro that. Yeah. Ricky's drinking tip of the day.
2: Yeah,
1: I, love of the day so. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I think this has been a fantastic conversation. Ricky, this has been great. Thank you so much. Say hi to your lovely husband from us. It's, yes. it's been too long and since Effie. we've seen him. And <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> I,
2: I I can't tell you how great it is to see you both. I miss you so much, and this has been such a treat. And talk to you guys next time, you know, you're in my area or next time in your area, but it's such an honor. So thank you so much for having me.
1: And that's as real as it's getting with this episode. Thanks for joining hosts, Dana Harder and Carrie Baldwin with Unreal Digital Group. And this podcast, Marketing Gets Real, where we get rid of the filters and chat with B2B marketers about real life stories of successes, failures, and everyday adventures. If you're loving these, oh shit, tell it how it is type of conversations, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.